Welcome to Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast, your weekly opportunity to tune in and listen to the best review team online, taking time out to chat with you and each other about all topics in the world of lingerie, hosiery, and much more. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast. I am Daisy May and we are now on episode three of my series called The Vintage Glamour Devotee. So this episode is going to be focused on um, a topic that I have just titled Creating a Burlesque Act. Now, I will start this off by saying that I am what I would call more of an amateur burlesque performer. I do not travel the world doing this full time. It's not my main source of income or anything like that. It is just something that I am very, very passionate about. I've spent time learning the history. I've always supported the industry by taking classes from other performers, visiting shows, trying to help. I've helped out a couple of shows. I'd like to do it more, but Obviously, between between work and now COVID, obviously, that's made that harder. But it's definitely um, one of the best ways to uh, stay humble, get respect within the industry and to really, really learn about the industry and discover yourself as a performer is to kind of immerse yourself um, in real life as well as on social media in the burlesque um, community and not just burlesque with cabaret, drag, any performance art, circus, literally Anything like that is really important to um, to support. And it's a small world. So once you start following people on social media, you kind of get a gist for a lot of people out there, what's out there. Um, but it's very important, I would say, to um, learn about the history, respect the art, respect the industry, stay humble, learn your place in the industry by um, supporting it and working really hard at it. So... If you follow me on social media, you'll know that I also do a lot of modelling. So I do a lot more modelling than I do burlesque. I do modelling most weeks and burlesque is um, intermittent. Sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's not a lot. (laughs) Um, I don't have loads and loads of acts. I have a couple of solid acts that I really like. Um, Some I am changing and I have three or four acts that I am currently in the works of doing but I am saving up the money and rehearsing and I'm basically trying to get a lot more fitter and work on much more advanced routines than I've previously done so I'm really taking the time to focus on that at the moment but do keep an eye on my social media because I will be giving some snippets and of course when I have new acts I always pop those on social media as well. Um, So I want to start off by um, saying how I became Daisy May. So in episode one, just in case you didn't hear it, my legal name is actually Daisy. On my birth certificate, my first name is Daisy. (laughs) Um, And for years and years and years, I got called Miss Daisy, Miss Daisy May, Daisy May, Miss May, uh, Crazy Daisy, Driving Miss Daisy, Daisy Do, Daisy Duke, all those things. I was rarely called Daisy. Uh, Daisy. If anything, more than Daisy, I've been called Daisy by my friends. So I've always had those kind of nicknames, but the main one was Daisy May or Miss Daisy May. And for years, I always admired burlesque performers that had tongue-in-cheek names or they played on words or they played on 
famous celebrities or performers or actresses or icons from, you know, the vintage glamour sort of 1940s, 1950s, back to sort of, you know, silent movie times. You know, people can play on really interesting wordings and phrases for names. And I just, I always thought that's such a cool thing to do. But my brain doesn't work that way. And I've never been able to come up with a name that was, you know, funny or jokey or, you know, kind of sassy. So I love my name, Daisy. I've always liked it. And I just thought Daisy May, it's pin up. I feel like it embodies me and what I what, what I represent. And I feel like it suits me. So I have always been Daisy May on social media um, since I had Facebook when I was about 15. So everyone has always known me as Daisy May. And when I first did my first solo about three or four, four years ago, four years ago now, I, I just, I really wanted one of those names that was really cool. And I, I, I think because I had always been called Daisy May, I felt like it was kind of boring because I was already very familiar with it. But then I thought, actually, no, it's completely me. And I think it is a good stage name as well. Um, so I just stayed with Daisy May. Um, now there are, um, you know, Betty Page, for example. I'm not sure if you guys listening know who Betty Page is, but she is an icon. If you're not sure who she is, definitely Google her. She's fantastic. And she's probably one of the most iconic slash well-known um, pin-up models, fetish models. Um, very similar aesthetic to someone like Dita Von Teese. Um, and Betty Page, um, I wouldn't say she's the only iconic woman she's just the one that's very well known the same as for example movie stars everyone knows who Marilyn Marilyn Monroe is it's kind of like that sort of thing there are plenty of other people to learn about in the fetish modeling world um from like the 50s and stuff and within the burlesque world as well there's um I would really encourage anybody who's interest, interested in burlesque to really delve into um the history of it because there's a lot of incredible um history about sex work and how basically everyone years ago was considered a stripper not a dancer you know so it's really really interesting to learn the history and all sex work all performers um whether you think it's classier for burlesque than stripping they all deserve respect and we all are creative and we all work really hard at our uh, passions and our and our performances so they all deserve respect and a lot of that respect will come down to learning about the history so you can really understand it so that's a huge way to gain respect within the industry as well which is really important to note but going back to the names um betty page her actual name was betty may page um and then you've got people like may west and there's, there's a lot of people um in those eras that um may was you know a second part to the name that was shortened to just Betty or something like that or it was a middle name it was quite a prominent name um and when you backdate date the name Daisy in history it actually um depending where it, it didn't just originate well it's kind of more in the last few hundred years it's been dated to like different places and sometimes Daisy May is considered the full name of Daisy and then it got shortened to Daisy. Not always. Some places it is just Daisy. But I really liked that. I felt like it kind of had some kind of traditional vintage feel to it. And I feel like that's a lot about what I'm about. Hence the vintage glamour devotee. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of a little bit about. So 
I would say that that's a really good place to start is to kind of think about what kind of burlesque performer you want to be. What do you love? What drives you to want to perform? You know, are you a bit more about comedy? Are you more political? Is there like a um, someone in history that you really admire and you could t- twist and turn that kind of name into a stage name by, you know, using like a burlesque term or something? Um I think you really have to have fun with it and you've really got to feel like it's right for you. Um, So, yeah, having a name is like a really good way to kind of play around with it, as well as having like mood boards. So you can put words on those things and um, movies, photographers, um, vintage vintage performers and all sorts of things to kind of, you know, get your inspiration from. And I always think it's really nice as well to credit your inspiration. So, for example, if I did like a a fetish shoot, I will always say, oh, it's really inspired by Irving Claw, which is one of the biggest photographers that shot Betty Page. Again, if you don't know who Irving Claw is, have a little Google because the photos are absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I think that's a really cool way to kind of start looking at burlesque is your name. Immerse yourself in the culture and the history and performers. Support you know, people on social media and follow them, go to shows, support your local uh, performers and your drag artists and your circuses, everyone. Kind of just immerse yourself in that, the history and the culture and social media as well as um, in person. So what was my first burlesque act? So my first solo was at a Halloween show in Brighton for a lady called Ronica Blacklace. Now you will find with quick google searches that there probably are performers online or within your area um unless you live in a really remote town but it's still worth googling because you really never know where some of these performers live and might commute to work so i would always suggest to try and find someone in your local area that might run classes or courses that don't have to just be burlesque you could be doing fire breathing circus um pole aerial tap dancing salsa literally anything any kind of dance performance um is only going to strengthen you as a performer within your confidence and your fitness so not just burlesque classes but you know other things as well so don't just limit yourself to burlesque classes if you've if you've got a passion to try tap dancing or something find someone locally or find someone online that does it um another way that's um really important to gain respect from performers is genuinely supporting the industry so if you think of if you've always wanted to study something quite often you pay to go to uni or you do an internship where you might not be paid as much there's there's usually an element of sacrifice and working hard and earning your place and being humble and learning a skill supporting a community or a workplace to really you know build a strong team or a strong community type thing so that's really important in the performer world especially when it comes to um anything that is kind of nudity stripping um sex work because some people do consider burlesque sex work other people don't um i personally i wouldn't care either way because i don't think there should be any stigma to whether it is sex work or it isn't, um, I'm pro-sex work, obviously, but um, it's it's really important to um, to kind of be humble and learn about the industry. 
Now, I will stop there with that because I do think we could have a really interesting episode on talking about this in further detail. But I do think it's really important to kind of gain that respect of other performers to support their art, to support their craft. Some of these performers, you know, they they started off just probably like everyone else, not with a lot of money, blood, sweat and tears, working really hard. Um, You rely on the connections that you make to get rebooked and to kind of support each other and put on shows together. So it's really important to um, contribute and to support the industry. Um, So really, really do that. And I have done quite a few different classes now from performers or people who don't necessarily perform burlesque, but they sing or they host shows. And everyone that you have a class with will offer something different. So it's really important, I think, to get some variety and to support the industry. And that's how I started doing it and how I did my first burlesque solo. So my first act, as I said, was for a Halloween show. And it was um, this event where you can do a group beginners, intermediate or advanced class. And you can also pay to do solo. So you do pay for these things. Um, someone is teaching you and coaching you and helping you to create an act to kind of ease you to get onto the stage and support you in that process. Um, for me personally, I've always had quite a strong idea of what I want to do. So it was kind of communicating that to help me polish it to kind of get on stage sort of thing um, and helping me with the routine but with regards to the music and the costume design and making it that was all, all down to me because it's something that I love I'm already creative I did a fashion knitwear degree so I've already got not costume design behind me but you know a lot of intricate fashion design and detail kind of embroidery and sewing and things so I have a lot of transferable skills that have helped me in making costumes so I did definitely obviously need some support and I'm really glad that I managed to meet a lot of people through doing those things and my first burlesque song really wasn't hard for me to choose my first song um I chose a song by Audio Slave called Show Me How to Live and it's very ballsy it's very uh rock like a lot of energy quite intense like uh, energy and the, the idea behind this act for me was to be like a vamp a femme fatale and it was all black and red and I did blood pour in it but very quite classy I think not just kind of gory and everywhere I think that's one thing I, I, I follow a lot of performers who I admire so much but they are a lot more gothic and gory than me I think my thing is kind of using a similar aesthetic in a way and a similar um a lot of similar inspirations but I twist it in my way and I think that's really important to know is that that's that's kind of where you want to try and identify yourself as a burst performer um to help sorry to create that identity is by putting your twist and your touch on things because obviously there's going to be a lot of crossover um a lot of the inspiration can come from similar places but it's really important that you try and execute it in your own way um which is very very hard and it's very competitive but I think as long as you stay authentic and you work really really hard at creating your own work that always shows through so yeah my first act went really well um the first time I watched it back I would say that I was very very 
impressed. I was like, I can't believe I've done this. This is amazing. And then I watched it like a hundred times. And by the hundredth time, I was like, what are my arms doing? Uh, my posture there's rubbish. My feet are pointed in the wrong direction. Or I should have held the glass slightly higher to so the angle it better. And I was really critiquing myself. And quite a few people said to me that you're just, you're being too harsh. You're being too harsh. And I was like, no, I'm not being harsh. I need to be okay with taking criticism and I need to be okay with hearing negatives because they're constructive and they're going to make me a better performer and that's the way I've always looked at burlesque it's probably the only thing in my life that I've been okay to fail at if I fall flat on my face on stage it's okay I'll make it work I've had a nipple tassel fall off on stage it's okay I made it work you know it's the only thing in my life that I allow myself to be free in the moment. In my personal life, I'm a perfectionist and I am really um, meticulous and I'm, I get anxious and stressed over a lot of things because I feel like they should be a certain way. And if they're not a certain way, I get stressed. Um, but this is something that when I am creative with it, I'm very, I'm a perfectionist about the costume. But when it comes to the stage, I do try and allow myself to feel to just be present in the moment and that's something that's really hard for me but I just naturally have with burlesque which I always feel like is a really nice feeling if you feel like you have a natural calling to something and it feels natural um that that is just a wonderful a wonderful feeling for a performer or for someone's creative maybe someone listening to this is a singer or maybe you play an instrument and in that moment when you're playing music once you've you know, once you've got 20, 30 seconds in and you're into the groove and you can just enjoy it. For me, that is such an incredible freeing feeling. And I really hope that other people um, sort of can relate to that kind of feeling. Um, maybe it's sport. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. It could be reading. I don't know. Literally anything that you love. Um, I think it's really amazing to be able to and just enjoy something for what it is and be present, um, which is something I struggle with in my personal life, not with burlesque. So, yeah, that's really, really quite a nice quite a nice feeling for me <laughs> not something I feel often um so yeah I performed I was really happy on the night I've never been so nervous in my entire life ever I was absolutely petrified um I don't drink alcohol but so many people were saying just have a little drink it will relax your nerves and I was like no I need to be sober as hell I need to know what is going on I was like if I have a drink I'm going to be so anxious and I'm going to not be able to get my course off I was so worried about things like that happening um but it, it went well my nipple tassel did fall off um but you know I poured blood over myself and I covered my boob and it was all okay. <laughs> um, but obviously that is something that I've had to learn about my skin is that it doesn't like things being stuck to it and I'm allergic to most glues. So I've had to try a million carpet tapes and body tapes and prosthetic glues to find something that actually works. Um, I am going to be doing another podcast about nipple pasties, nipple tassels and twirling and all that. So I will address that later down the line as well um but yeah I think that's the important thing to take from your first act is that it's not always going to go the way you want it to and not just with your first act actually you'll find as you keep performing the same act it will evolve it will change it will grow it will change depending on the night depending on how the audience reacts this the size of the stage um how long you have to get ready you might be driving between gigs and you've not got long and you're rushed and you're not used to being rushed maybe you're a really prepared person who gets there early Every night you perform, it can be a totally different 
scenario or situation or environment and you have to quite um get used to that kind of dynamic um and as I say for a perfectionist that's really hard for me I'm someone who will be early I'll be prepared I'll check that I have everything five times um and I've had to get better at at, at going with the flow and being present in the moment as prepared as I can be there are some things that are just out of my control sometimes um so it's been a really healthy process for me um not just with the first act but you know with the few after it and it's got to the point now actually where I don't really get nervous which is odd I get anticipation and I get butterflies and my hands get a bit shaky and I'm like oh I want to go out there and do it but I don't get the nerves I had on the first act the first act it was pure I do not know what to expect what have I done you know I want to be a best performer I've never done dance before I've never done ballet or anything before (laughs) nothing you know professional before what if I'm just awful at this but the second I got out there and I heard the crowd cheering and screaming, it was the most amazing feeling. Um, and I'm so glad that I that I pushed myself to do it the first time, because once the first time was out of the way, it was it was incredible. Um, so, yeah, first act, nervous as hell, was thinking, why have I done this to myself? To watching it back, being so proud of myself to about 40 hours later going, OK, how do I do that better? Um I'm not someone who is content ever, so if I watch something back, I can see faults, and I will try and improve that. So, um, but I don't make it personal. It's not about failure, which is something that I've always battled with. Um, so that's really I would stress for anybody who's a new performer: the quicker you can try and get into that space of enjoying and being present is really, really important. Um, the song I chose because I have always loved the song. And it was a Halloween show and I I really wanted my costume to look strong and feminine and powerful to match the song. I also think that was to mask the nerves <laughs> so that even if I was scared or nervous, the costume looked strong and fierce and that would help me to feel strong and brave and fierce, um, which paid off. It did work. And I, I, I live by that motto um, every day. If I feel like crap, I put red lipstick on and I you know, I work really, I dress a certain way to kind of prepare myself for the day, um, which really, really helped me with the burlesque. Enjoying the conversations today? Well, we wanted to take a short break to tell you more about our website. Are you looking to treat a loved one or yourself to some new lingerie or hosiery and don't know where to start? Let the most diverse team of presenters from around the globe introduce you to more than 460 brands as we publish new and exclusive reviews every day. In fact, we have over 5,000 reviews online right now. However, we want to treat you to something a little special for listening to our podcast today. So use the promo code PODCAST when buying a 3, 6 or 12 month membership and we'll give you an extra 10% off the purchase price. Best of all, there's no time limit with this code, so you can keep using it each time you renew your membership. Please note this is not applicable to the monthly membership. So, after listening to the rest of this podcast, head on over to lingerielowdown.com forward slash join and use the promo code podcast today. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the podcast. Now, with regards to the costume, I 
as I say, I did a fashion knitwear degree, so I did kind of already have a bit of a history on how to um, sew and things like that. But there was a lot of um, trial and error with, with making underwear, rhinestoning costumes, um, lots of research online about what rhinestones are good, what's the difference between them, why do they all cost different amounts, different types of glues, which I could talk about another time. Um, but as this is more about creating the burlesque act, I want to focus more on not actually making the costume, but how I actually came to the idea of this is what I want the costume to look like. So a huge thing for me is sketching. I will sketch out all of my concepts and I have a little sketchbook and I sketch things out. Sometimes the song will come first. Sometimes the... Um, I will think, I really want an outfit like this. What kind of song could I put with an outfit like this? Or sometimes I'll have certain moves that I want to do. And I'll think, I really like the idea of doing like a floor move like this or something like this. And what kind of, you know, for example, like you could have you could have a dress on that you need to remove. You could have stockings on that you need to remove. So you need to have shoes that are slip on, slip on or ones that are easy to clip and undo you don't want something that's a tie-up boot that's going to take forever to get off you know there's a lot of elements to play around with for example you could have props like fans you could have props like um you could do fire breathing or something so you kind of have to you know work with a lot of variables in an act my first act it was very much like a, a typical striptease i took my stockings off I took my bra off, I took my corset off, um, I had a blood pour and I had a huge feather bow that I came on and off stage with and things like that. So it was quite your typical, air quote, um, striptease. My second performance, I didn't want to do any stocking removal. I wanted it to be really about the costume and all I really took off was the corset and the bra and the gloves. But it was it was much more about the energy than being this poised femme fatale vamp lady it was much more about fun and ooze oozing kind of sass and cheese you know like just kind of cheesy and fun so I wanted it to, it to be a little bit different while still having a kind of bondage fetish vintage glamour that I have so the laundry had lots of straps and things on it so I have actually decided to change that act um for multiple reasons but I think it's um it's really important to not get fixed on this is what this act is and it needs to be this. It will always grow and change and be okay with that because you're developing and you're improving and you're growing, which is always really, really, really great. Um, so depending on the act, um, I think really sketching can be a really great idea. But if you're not someone who draws, bearing in mind no one has to see these drawings you know they could just be little fun sketches that you just keep for yourself and you might just have a few like felt tips and you'll go yeah I kind of want blue and green and like an emerald green and then like this and this and I kind of want this kind of color balance you could then contact someone who makes costumes and you could get them to make it for you you don't have to make things yourself um that's really important to stress I just actually enjoy making things and I have an element of pride knowing that I made some of it all of it part of it even just one piece it's a nice feeling for me to be able to do that it's a really nice way for me to express things and it makes me feel like I'm being more authentic because um because I am a very creative person in lots of different ways um you know I, I like being able to say that I made something as well as doing the burlesque 
I don't think I will always do that. There's a lot of incredible people who make costumes and I've already got ideas to message these people about. And once I have the money, because again, this all does cost a lot when you're paying people because the time that goes into making these costumes, I cannot even begin to stress. It is hundreds or thousands of hours. It's a lot of work. Um, and because of the type of burlesque I like, it's all about vintage glamour and that just isn't cheap I mean some people say you can do it cheaper you absolutely can but for the level of glamour that I want ostrich feathers costs a lot even cheaper rhinestones that aren't the cheapest but they still cost a fair amount um just the corsets that I want for the type of look that I want they cost a lot um so some of that stuff I obviously wouldn't make some of it I would buy from other people um, and embellish it myself some of it I make myself and some of it I will outsource to other people to do um, so don't stress if you're not a creative person and you can't draw and you can't make things yourself that's not an issue you can literally just sketch a few ideas and say to somebody else would you know is this achievable would this work and you can pay someone to help you equally you can just go and buy lingerie and buy a plain black corset or something add a few rhinestones or a little bit of fringing or something if if you're new to this and just have fun with it don't don't get too caught up in it being perfect for me i knew that i would want to keep doing this so i invested more money and more time in it but if this is something that you're not sure about and you just want to get a feel for don't feel like you've got to go and spend loads of money you can so easily just go on the high street get a nice set of underwear and make it your own or pay someone else to make it your own or just wear it as is the important thing is that you do this your way and if you're doing it or maybe you're just interested in what other people do in which case that's what some people might do <laughs> um yeah it's really important to find your own way in these things there there's not really a right and wrong way unless you are literally um copywriting somebody um or not respecting people who make these costumes or the performers that you know pour their years and years of work blood sweat and tears into these things um there's no really wrong way to actually want to express yourself you know through costume and design as long as it's authentic really now i would love to do an episode in the future about um like brands that i've used and things if people would find that helpful i'd love to know maybe drop us a message if that's something that you would like in the future um, but I wanted this to be a lot more about um, how to kind of get in that headspace of creating an act. Um, so let's say you're somebody who is really not very creative. Um, maybe you're very creative with dance, but maybe not with fashion, costumes, drawing, sewing. Maybe that's not your game and the idea of doing it just stresses you out or you just don't like it. Or maybe you just don't have a passion to want to do it. I would say another great way is find a song that you love, like a song for whatever reason. It doesn't have to be a typical burlesque showgirl song. It could be rock. It could be funk. It could be soul. It could be disco. It could be pop music. It literally could be anything. The main thing that I think translates on stage is when a burlesque act has a story and when somebody is enjoying themselves and they are feeling the song because if the audience can feel you feeling it they're gonna feel it they're gonna feel energy if they can feel that you're uncomfortable they will feel uncomfortable and they're gonna think oh come on you can do it type thing or oh she's not enjoying it i hope she's okay you know smile and just enjoy it 
um, and have a song that you love, especially if you're a new performer, because you want to be able to enjoy that. Um, most of my acts, I would say, actually, that I... The song has come first, um, partly because I love music and I have a huge playlist of songs that I would love to perform to. Um, but with regards to what act comes next, I will be um, sketching and playing around with colour and fabrics and things at home. And I'll think, I'd love to do something like that. And it might be inspired from like a vintage movie or like a vintage an old burlesque performer or something um or maybe from a film i've seen like a certain costume where i think those colors together or those materials together look really really cool i'd love to take an element of that and put it into a costume i would never copy something directly but i would definitely take inspiration from um i don't know maybe you saw like three colors in a dress in a film or something and they're not three colours that you've really seen put together a lot, maybe on the high street or maybe you've ever seen someone wear. And it really has, it's just struck you like, wow, that's really unique. You could put that into a burlesque costume. No one might even know, you know, if it's just like a little element. Um, But it's, you know, I think as creative people, we are inspired by lots of things around us. Um, But as long as you make things your own, that's the main key. Um, So, yeah, at the moment, I've got like three or four acts and... I have, I've already got the lingerie. Um, One of the sets of lingerie that I actually bought, I'm trying to find a song to match it. So that's the other way around. I've got this navy set of like bondage lingerie. And I was thinking, how can I navy? What what song would I put with navy? Because the colours I really like are like leopard, red, black, emerald green. And I thought I'd really love to do something a bit different. But again, make it my own. So pick colours I wouldn't usually pick but maybe embellish with the colours that I like and try and draw it back into that Daisy May aesthetic that I love. Um, that's that's quite weird doing the, the other way for me. Um, as much as I love my costume design, it's weird to think about a costume before you know what it's going to become. But that was really interesting to kind of look at the lingerie and think, right, how can I make this into something interesting that's going to represent me? Because right now... I love the lingerie. I'm not 100% on the colour, but I know I can embellish it or do something with it to make it mine. And that since then, I have found a song and it's become this huge idea that I never thought it would become. And it's not something that I've ever seen colour-wise um, used in this way anyway. I've seen it done a lot of other ways. And I think that's a really important thing. If you see something you like, there's always a way to do something in a different way. Um... So, yeah, the, these these two colours aren't even colours that I've ever put together or worn together. I don't actually like them in an outfit. I don't know why. It's just a pet hate of mine. But I have this idea to make it with, like, fringed beading and Swarovski crystals and rhinestones and feathers and things and ostrich feathers to turn it into this. I liked the challenge of using things I wouldn't usually use, trying to find a song that I would love with it, and then since I thought, oh, maybe I could put those colours together, a second I thought that, I was like, yep, I know what song this is going to be for. This is going to be brilliant. <laughs> so it really, for me, there is no one way. Sometimes the costume will come first. Usually I'll have the song or routine in mind and I will think, okay, this part of the music really reminds me of like maybe taking the corset off because of the way the music is, I think it would work really well. 
So then I need to think, that's halfway through the song, what am I going to put in the first half? So then there's a lot of working out between that. What I have actually started to do is I've written all of my um, routines out on paper, handwritten, so I can kind of make sure that I've covered things I can see it visually out in front of me that really really helps me um but I've also recently found songs that I think I really really want to perform to that but I've had no idea of the routine the costume um and I've also got other ideas of putting like two or three songs together and chopping and changing the act so it's a very diverse act so I think that's the main thing to stress is there's no one way to do that. You can you might find that the music always comes first for you or the costume always comes first and you'll work around it. There's no right or wrong way. Um, I think the main thing is that you're enjoying it and you're being creative and you're having fun with it. Um, so the main steps for creating a badass act, I just want to highlight are... I'm obviously judging this on someone who may not be sure on their badass name, obviously, but um have fun with creating a name be open-minded um jot things down have a mood board really try and enjoy the process of discovering what it means for you to be a best performer or a cabaret performer circus whatever it may be drag as well um really enjoy developing that and really think about you know what do you stand for what are you about what are your inspirations and try and convey that into your first act um but don't don't worry too much about you know your first act being perfect because it's the first time we do anything it's never going to be the best that we do it you know and and where would the fun be in that you know if the first time you were perfect at it it would be boring (laughs) you know you want to grow and progress and change and get better and make mistakes and and enjoy the mistakes as much as the good bits you know because some if anything some of the mistakes and the bits that you don't like you learn a lot more from and they make you a lot of a better performer and they make you a lot more sure of yourself as a performer a lot more confident in yourself so yeah so the name the song maybe you love a certain type of color or a costume you can even use a color in your name if you want to if that's what you're about and you think oh, i just love the color pink or blue you can create an act around something like that so that's really really cool way to actually think of a name i've seen quite a few performers do that and they've got really great names um if you're not sure on who to follow either go on my social media because i follow so many performers and just look at scroll through who i follow and who comments on my stuff because I always share other performers things and it's really one of the best ways to get into the industry is to start following and supporting people online Um, and then you can see when their shows are on and things like that and get your foot in the door Um, and then once your first act out the way I would say one of the best things to do is to not um, not wait too long until you do the next one I waited quite a while before I performed again And then after I performed a little bit, I got held up with just life, Um, a breakup and multiple job changes. And it's just I got so busy with work and life that I was just like, oh, I haven't got time. And more importantly, I haven't got the money with changing jobs a lot to invest in it. And 
the things that I wanted to do I needed to save for. So I saved a load of money and as I was about to do it, COVID happened. <laughs> so for me, it's kind of been on the back burner for a while, but now that things are opening up, I've promised myself that this is really important to me and this is going to be something that I really invest a lot more time into. Um, So yeah, watch this space. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I know I did dash sort of back and forth through a lot of it because there's a lot of crossover and I think that's the main thing is that there is no one way to do it and enjoy the process. Um, and there is no one way to create a burst act. I know I've said that there are a few ways. Um, maybe you will stumble across a completely different way to create a burlesque act. Um, but they those are the main ways that I have seen um other people create them. I have created them and I've seen and heard of other performers online in person and in podcasts and on YouTube how they've uh, created certain things um and everyone i know some people make none of their costumes and i know people that make all of it head to toe like they embellish the heels themselves they make the corsets themselves they make literally everything other people they get other people to do it so there's no one way um and if you are really really new to the industry definitely head over to my instagram go through who go through who i follow and check out a load of the, the incredible performers that I follow and I will continue to share their wonderful art on my uh and, and performances on my Instagram because um it's just so inspiring seeing people do what they love and do it well you know and with integrity and dedication um so yeah I hope you really enjoyed this podcast it was um it's it quite a different idea for a podcast I thought it was quite a fun little way to kind of you know, if you're interested in burlesque to kind of just get a little feel for it and to hopefully, um, if you're looking at getting into it, to give you that little boost to maybe, um, you know, to just give it a go. Um, something I hear a lot, and this is what I'm going to leave this podcast on, is that a lot of people say to me, you've got the look though, you know, you've got the dark hair and the red lips and the pale skin and you've got that burlesque look. The main thing I want to say is there is no burlesque look. Just because I resemble a bit like Dita, I know I look nothing like her, but the dark hair, the lips, the the red lips and the pale skin, that does not mean that is what burlesque is. And there's so many people out there, um, like people of colour, there are so many male burlesque performers, there are so many drag artists, there are so many political artists, there are so many people doing so many things in the performance industry and none of us look alike. Um, you know, there are online, obviously, a lot of people that do have that typical aesthetic, but not everybody does. So do not let something like being curvier or taller or, I don't know, more tattooed, not even tattooed, or I don't know, whatever thing you think burlesque is and you think you're not it, never never let that be a reason for you not getting into burlesque, getting into burlesque. Never let it stop you from creating an act and from doing something that you love. So go away if you're wanting to get into burlesque. And the first thing I would say to do is check out on social media and have a Google at who's in your local area or who's online. And they do online courses via Zoom and just do it because it's so much fun. So, yeah, 
Don't let anything stop you from giving burlesque a go because I can promise you, you will not regret it and it is the best feeling. And even if you never do it professionally and it is just a bit of fun and you create your acts for your enjoyment that you might just do locally once or twice a year or something, really look into it because honestly, you won't regret it. It's one of the best things I ever did and I've met some of the nicest people that I am still friends with to this day from starting those first classes. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this podcast on how to create a burlesque act. I know I've thrown in some other little elements and this podcast has gone on quite a long time. Um, but I hope you stuck with me and I hope you enjoyed it. And I do have some really cool, interesting other topics to talk about on the podcast. But of course, if there is something that you would love me to talk about, or I touch upon on my social media, maybe that you would like me to talk about more please feel free to drop me an email or message lingerie lowdown and we can obviously try to work on those things and make them come true so until then do make sure to check out my social media for the things i mentioned before and do go ahead if you want to and have a little listen to all of the other podcasts here on the lingerie lowdown channel and until next month for episode four i wish you all well and i really hope that you get to go away and have a little rummage into the uh, world of burlesque Thanks for joining us on Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast. Don't forget that we release a brand new episode every Wednesday for you all to enjoy. So if you love lingerie as much as we do, make sure to catch us same time, same place next week. Don't forget to visit the website lingerielowdown.com forward slash join and use our promo code podcast to get an extra 10% off a three, six or 12 month membership today.